Good morning, Sac City. Thanks for following wherever you download your podcast. You want to see what this city has to offer? Join us live on YouTube every Wednesday through Friday at 10 a.m. Eastern. And don't forget to hit that subscribe button for the best NFL content on the interwebs. Sac City, baby! Sack City, welcome into another episode of the Sack City Podcast. I am your host, the one and only Vinny Milani, joined as always by. I don't think it's gonna work. I don't even get it. I'm thirsty. Are you, you, you good? You I'm good? Thirsty. I'm trying to get the. I'm trying to get the beer behind me. I'm Wait. thirsty. Man, wants a Labatt. Since when? <laughs> did, since when did we have a Labatt Blue sponsorship? Is that a is that a new thing? It, it, really, I've I've always associated Labatt Blue with hockey. Cause that's like oh. a Canadian thing. So you trying to see? You trying to say that black people can't drink Labatt Blue or what? No, I'm saying that people who watch football is what you have in the background there on your TV oh that you have. Gosh. You've spent so much money on that, dude. Look at your new pad; it's absolutely incredible. Okay, that and shit looks like it's in Georgia for real. Air mattress and Labatt Blue. That's all I got. He Man, sold his wooden he, cabin he, in the sticks of Georgia. Nah, he sold his air mattress to be able to furnish the red that, that screen right there. That's, that's what ended up happening. Is that a bowling trophy behind me somewhere? What is that? What is that? What the heck? That's your son's. I think there's a real skating one, a bowling, and a hockey trophies. one. You yeah, it's, it's, there's, wow. there's a lot going on. I, actually, at the end of the show, so if you want to, if you want to see what's happening here, at the end of the show, we'll solo Aaron, and we can take like 20 seconds to just like assess <laughs> where's his Waldo background. That shit. <laughs> uh, but welcome into another episode of the Sac City Podcast. I'm your host, the one and only Vinny Milani, joined as always by your boy AJ Johnson. Below, we have my best friend in the whole entire world. He is Aaron the Mukes. I am Mukes. And beside him, below me, we have the smoothest voice in sports casting. He is the reigning, the defending, the undisputed heavyweight valedictorian of the show, Dylan Kearns. It is a beautiful July 28th morning here in the city. Episode 59 is about to kick off. We're diving into the NFC North training camp that has kicked off for most of these teams today. Uh, it's going to be a great show ahead of us. Dylan, how are you today? I'm fantastic. Uh, it's a great morning. Yesterday, I was uh, watching extensively the Big Ten Media Days. A lot of great stuff there. Um, a lot of stuff going on with all the teams. And and James Franklin came to the podium, the Penn State guy. He's fired up for some reason. He got, uh, got a bag. Anyway, a lot of college football going on. A lot of football going on. Training camp, good stuff coming out. The MLB trade deadline, I like that a little bit. Uh, went into that. But, yeah, as long as football goes, I'm fired up. Training camps are underway. Pads are popping. Battles are happening. Stuff's coming out, and we got we got content, boys. Dylan, unlimited. Was it was it was it just me, or did you think that James Franklin got like a hell of a tan over his all season? Like I remembered, he was. I thought he was a white dude yesterday. He he was as black as me and Aaron. I was I was like, wait a minute. Like, whoa, whoa, I was whoa, trying whoa, to, whoa, 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 wh
He's probably in between you and I. Yeah, yeah, I'm Carmel. You, he, you look I mean, he was closer brother. to you, I but so. I don't want to call you fully black because then I want to, you know, <laughs> then I'm just left out in the dust, you know, trying to play catch up. So I just, I, I, I just I thought it was impressive. I thought it was impressive. I just see the Family Guy episode where he's ha- he's holding up the color, the the skin color chart going up to that guy's <laughs> face. It's like which color it is. That's the yeah, cinema. I'm, I'm brown number thirteen. Ah, okay, got it, got it. I'll check for brown 15. number thirteen in the Crayola box next time I pop one of those bad boys open. Uh, all right, yeah. are they half off in Plantation, Florida? Do we have what? <laughs> wow, go on. Do we have what? <laughs> Just go. I actually had a conversation with somebody about Plantation, Florida, the other day. For whatever reason, it got brought up, and there must be something good there because they were talking about going there. So it's crazy not a bad place to be. <laughs> I mean, it's, it's it may not or, bad. It may or may not have been Heidi. Just saying. I hear they got good land down there. Wow, we're name dropping on the show today. Hopefully she's watching. But either either way, let's get into our morning headlines here. And really, there's only one big-time headline that I want to bring up here. A few big-name players passed their physical and officially got removed from the pup list today or yesterday. That included George Fant from the New York Jets, Alex Kappa from the Cincinnati Bengals, Clyde Edwards-Alaire of the Kansas City Chiefs, and one Michael Thomas, wide receiver for the New Orleans Saints. He is officially off the pup list and ready to go for the New Orleans Saints. And his quarterback is very excited. Uh, We are ultimate competitors, right? He's a perfectionist. And and that helps my game because I I, I can put my trust in him and and he can put his trust in me because we know that we all in, right? I know he's one of the greatest receivers to play this game as of this date. And he's missed two years. You know what I'm saying? Like the facts don't lie. Right. So I know what he's capable of. Now we both just got to get healthy and work together. Right. We got to build that rapport. And that's going to happen with, with this experience, with him being able to, to be out there and do as much as he, he did. And, and me being able to just see him and work with him. Other than Jameis looking like absolute predator right there in that interview. <laughs> he's hyped to have his boy Michael Tom- he, Yeah, he's hyped to have his boy Michael Thomas. Now, there's only one person we can go to on this panel to start the show talking about Michael Thomas. And it's you, Aaron. You have been the most negative about Michael Thomas this offseason. What are your thoughts on him coming off the pup list and being ready for uh, training camp? Who? Unbelievable. Oh, I, I mean, wow. I mean, we ain't seen the guy play football in forever. So, of course, I'm not excited about coming off the pup list. I told you yesterday, which is why we scratched the pup list segment of the show, the PUP list means absolutely nothing nothing on day one of training but but michael that, thomas coming it, back means it, something no it doesn't he did this before he did this before and then you what happened he had, he had another setback it, he, he, we've seen this before until michael thomas steps on a football field and plays in a game i don't want to hear about how good he looks on an instagram video what he's going to bring to the table how emotional it is for him to come back and play in 2020 why doesn't he give some of the money that he took two years ago back Let's start there. Give some money back to the Saints so they're not over the cap and they can actually sign some players because you robbed them. You took two years of their contract and you ain't played since. I am not trying to get on Michael Thomas and say he's not a talent. We know this. Jameis said it best. I'm not arguing that. He is a talented receiver. 1,700 yards, 1,400 yards, 1,200 yards. He was all pro. Like, he did his thing. But it's been two years since we've seen him on a football field. So I'm sorry if that I'm a little bit skeptical and the, the Saints fans don't like it. Yes, the last time we see Michael Thomas, he was okay. It wasn't great. He was okay the last time we see him. So I'm going to leave it. Yes, you can give me that look 
You can give me that look. The last time we see Michael me. Thomas, Pick he had 438 yards on 40 catches in seven games. He was oh, okay. He got injured. Got it. Hey, so okay. re- real quick, where's he played? He was okay. No, no, no. You're good. I would. No, no. You're fine. I was thinking the last time I really thought about seeing him was when he that's, broke the record for reception. So that. that that's and again, where, if you want to bring that up, that was three years ago. So that again, he hasn't played football for a full season, almost a thousand days. If this is anybody else we talk about, and they're hype on him. What about you? They are hype on him. But again, I would say the same thing, but we also talk about 30 year old receiver. He's, you know, he's had mileage on his body. It's a different time, a different position. It's not the same as a Trey Lance who hasn't played in whatever years or, or anything like that. I'm not saying he can't be good. I'm saying that can he just prove it before we just start saying he's going to be back to what he was in 2018 and 2019? I just want to see him do it. That's all. That's what, that's what I needed to hear from you. I needed to hear that last part because I wanted, I was going to come in and come at you and say, where's that same energy when we talk about Deshaun Watson, who's missed a year of football, but the age you brought up the age was a very good point about Deshaun Watson the position and, is so different guys and that yeah. and that too you you made up some very good points but I've come to the conclusion now that we've we kind of like I, I I pegged AJ as a commander's fan now because Carson Wentz and Dylan has all of the teams that he loves and Aaron you now have the exact <laughs> opposite you hate the New Orleans Saints because not only do you hate Michael Thomas, but you also hate Chris Olave. So this is what's going on. No, no, no. He hates two stop. receivers. He stop. loves their we, football team. We're not going to stop. We never stop. I, when I, I, I tell you I'm preached, stop with Carson stop, Wentz. But there, the man. difference is I have preached about the Saints being a contender. Yes, I have preached. Yes. Talking about a, an individual player. Yes, it does. It doesn't change anything. No, it doesn't. It absolutely does. It nope, absolutely nope. does. All those years, all those years, people hated Tom Brady and the New England Patriots. They were allowed to hate him. It didn't change the fact that they were going to be contenders every year. Okay, Aaron's not saying they're not. But, He's saying but, they are. I'm saying that they are. I like the Saints. I love Jameis. I, I, I love that defense. I love saying, the Saints. I hate Chris Olave, and Michael Thomas has to prove it. It's your new. It's, you don't it, like Ohio State. Like I, you like I said, that, that might be true. <laughs> like I said, with what we did with AJ and what we've done with Dylan, you are not going to be saved from this. Your new hated, most hated Uh-oh. team will See, be Aaron, the New Orleans Saints. I'm a Colts it, fan. Apparently. It does. It does. It's going to end up happening. Why is it my most hated team? The, the Washington Commanders. I hate Carson Wentz. More he than has football bashed them from the day planet. he came on the show. It's just I more fun. It. It's just more fun. To, it's just more fun yeah, to say you hate Carson Wentz. People on the on the on the panel. That's just boring. Yeah. I mean, I'm a hater of players. Like, there's over 1,800 players in the NFL. We're gonna get two of us, four of us on one. To player. be fair, <laughs> to be fair, who has the strongest opinions opinions in a negative light about players on this team? It's me. Easily, I, I mean, Mac Jones. Point. You know, Crystal Love. Like I, I am not afraid to say I do not believe in this player. So you could argue that maybe 30 teams out of the 32 I hate. <laughs> But at the and same time, everybody. It, doesn't mean, it doesn't mean I'm not afraid to say this guy can come back. This AJ guy loves be- everybody. I, AJ, what I, do you I want what, to believe in people? <laughs> AJ, what do you think about Michael Thomas coming back? What are your thoughts? Other than the, the we've gotten the we gotten Aaron's take from it. What do you think about Michael Thomas uh, returning? 
I'm basically in between where we sit. <laughs> I'm not as negative as him, but yeah, I absolutely believe he needs to prove it, but I think he will. I think to an extent, I don't expect him to have 150 receptions. I don't expect him to have 1,400 yards. I expect him to come in and be the guy that Jameis is looking to in clutch time. I expect him to come in and put up a very respectable season. If he can stay healthy, I believe as the weeks go forward, he will prove that he has been one of the best receivers in the league and can once again be considered one of the top receivers in the league. Will he ever be top three again? I'm not going to say no, but I'm not going to jump that fast either. I think he has to come out. It's good to watch him work out. It's good to see him get out there with the team and start getting that chemistry together. But absolutely, until he can get on the field, put on pads, take high contact, take low contact, and show that he can withstand it, yeah, we need to be slightly cautious. But a guy who's been that talented before and a guy that the Saints – despite being angry with have not given up on that's kind of says something to me that they believe that he can be a very serviceable part of their team going forward so i'm excited to see him come back i'm hoping he proves it mostly because i still got one year left of him on my fantasy team and, <laughs> and because i want to see him do well so i'm in between prove it but i believe he will i'm all aboard michael thomas what about what about in fantasy dylan are you all aboard michael Fan- thomas yes yeah, yeah. I, going- I do i i think this year michael thomas We'll have 83 catches, 1,300 yards, and seven touchdowns. I think he comes wow. back with a vengeance this year. I do. I truly believe wow. in Michael Thomas. I know he's missed a lot of time. I know all that stuff that he's got going on with the issues with his foot or anything, the shit that he does, he misses, he's weak. He's. I don't care. Look, Just I've seen this guy produce. I've seen this guy produce, and I've seen Jameis Winston have 1,000-yard receiver and Mike Evans every single year that he was down there, right? I I trust Michael Thomas. I might be the only one that does here. And you can say no. You can say you're wishy-washy. I'm not afraid to take a stance and say I love this guy and he's going to produce this year. That that, that is not even what I want to point out. It's the numbers you threw out. I think you just said those numbers without thinking. I thought about it the whole time. You two jabroni. 83 catches and 1,300 yards is something Michael Thomas has never done. You know why? Because it's not Michael Thomas' game. He is not Mike Evans. He is not going to catch 80-yard touchdown passes. From Jameis Winston. He is he a guy that goes. Eat. He is a he is a high volume, low yardage guy. Look at his numbers. In, in, in order for him to have 1,400 yards in 2018, he had 125 catches. In order but for him to have 1,700 yards, he had. His freaking arm was, yeah. Michael Thomas is yeah. not that receiver. We had this. Jameis Winston is not Drew Brees. You're not listening. Does Michael Thomas run go routes? No. Michael no. Thomas is the guy who gets on the scene, he runs those deep ends, he runs slants. He is a high-volume, low-yardage guy. That's his game. He's not having 83 catches for 1,300 yards. If he has 83 catches, he's going to be at about 900 to 1,000 yards. I just wish – I just he's wish – He's a 10-yard-per-carry guy – or 10-yard-per-catch guy. So, I, so does that equate to you? Do your math, Dylan. God damn it. I just <laughs> I was, I was, I was, I'm on board with what Dylan is saying and believing in Michael Thomas here. I am, I am on the side of being more – hopeful on michael thomas and taking my shot on him in fantasy but then he dropped that stat out there and i'm like no <laughs> no that's my point i'm no. okay if you want to believe in michael thomas i, I just I am, want people to stop saying well he was just the best receiver two years ago three years ago yeah three years is a long, a long time, time in the nfl i see so we have to we have to see it that's all i'm saying i see a similar campaign to this i see a similar season this year to something that he had in his rookie year. He was 92 catches, 1,100 yards, nine touchdowns. I maybe see a little bit less. 
a little bit less this season just because maybe the injury and something and and obviously well, you can't you can't not factor in Jarvis Landry, Chris Olave and don't forget Alvin yeah. Kamara when he's going to be on the field. So there's going to be a lot of the, the, this is not just like the normal New Orleans Saints team that Michael Thomas was a part of before right. where it was really just him, not to disrespect any of the other pass catchers that the Saints have had before, but no one had no one was on Jarvis Landry's level. Chris Olave is a very talented uh potentially great wide receiver and then a first round pick highly invested. And then Alvin Kamara in the backfield is a, is a game changer as well. So Michael Thomas, I don't think is going to see that workload that he has had in the past, but he's still going to be a factor in my opinion right now. He's going as the wide receiver 32. Oh, we're in fantasy. fantasy. Uh, (laughs) I have have two questions for you guys. And these are legit questions. Um, And it could be quick. It doesn't have to be long. Uh, each of you guys, does Michael Thomas play over under 14 games for Michael Thomas? Wow. Under. Right around I would say under. Yeah, I would say under. Bro has to get about 12. You went 14, well, you son of a bitch. I'm going to say <laughs> I'm going to say he plays 13 really games, under. so under. Similar. Then, hold on. Similar to what I said earlier about comparing it to his rookie season, Michael Thomas started 12 games in 2016 in his rookie year. So I it really tie it all it all connects here. I see something I see less than 14 games and still that stat line. You know what? And I'm actually going to switch to it over. I think he got he's got 15 in him. He must two. Uh, and AJ I, I I wanted to address your point really quick about that the Saints I don't know that they do. And I honestly I think the Saints are bitter by what he did by putting off the surgery and the problem they couldn't get rid of him is because his contract says they couldn't. He was making way too much money, $32 million in dead cap hit last year in order to get rid of him. 38 this year to drop him. After this year, he has they have a potential out. So it would not shock me with the drafting of Chris Olave if there is a restructure yeah. of Michael Thomas's contract after this year or they look to trade or cut him. And that, that the, wouldn't shock that's me either. If whatever he does, even if he has a good year. Yeah. That wouldn't shock me either, but I think that whole bitterness thing was, of course, the front office feels it, but I think that was a more of a Sean Payton thing, though. And I think if yeah. he comes back and shows to be who's not there anymore, despite how they love Sean Payton, he's not there anymore. So I if don't he think can come back owner. and show that he's a team player, yes, I uh, again, I agree. No They'll like probably him. reconstruct him. They'll probably let him go. But if he can come back, be a team player, show he wants to be there, and then who knows? I doubt he'll take a cut. But if ain't nobody, I don't think anyone else is going to be knocking down the door for him unless he does blow up the way Dylan thinks he's are going to blow paying, up. So. Are you paying him $25 million Somebody think about, would think about the think about no, the top receiver at 31, almost 31 years old. Think about the top receivers in the league making that kind of we're, money. We're talking Are you if paying you, 25 million. If you no. tell me that somebody is going to do a two year, three year deal and then be able to structure it where at the end that he can be gone. I wouldn't be somebody's dumb enough is basically what I'm saying. Nobody's if, having, no, if whoa, he comes whoa, out whoa, and plays no, the way Dylan no, talks about it, yeah, somebody will jump we're at having, that. We're having a hard time right now paying Debo Samuel, Terry McLaurin, yes. guys that are yes. – we're having a hard time paying those guys $21, 22000000 million. You're going 25 That's That's, a, that's just that's too much. Fair. But let me ask this one bad. last question. Let me, let me ask one last question here, and then we're ending the Michael Thomas talk. They obviously drafted Chris Olave, invested a lot in him with that first-round pick – then brought in Jarvis Landry. Do you guys see anything about maybe like a them almost having like a pitch count for for Michael Thomas? I mean, we're seeing these teams 
wean their players back off of injury and kind of give them time off and rest and recovery and ease them into it. The Saints have that ability with Jarvis Landry and Chris Olave getting used to this offense. Do you think that maybe Michael Thomas comes in here and has less of a role early on because they're trying to get him back into real game shape because he hasn't been himself in two years? Early, yes. Early, absolutely. Early in the season. Early in the season, you'll see him. You'll see him use. I don't want to say sparingly. You'll see him use differently than when he's on the field. You know, ninety percent of the snaps as as he was. You know, a few years. I don't think if, if he stays healthy, I don't think as the season goes on, that stays. I think if he's comfortable and he's healthy, he'll yeah. be in the lineup just because he yeah. is that talented. Okay. Yeah. And, then, and you have, and then you can dispose all those weapons in so many different ways. Like if you have the weapons available. Why, why hold yourself back? Deploy them. Yep. Agreed. Agreed. And I, and uh, yeah, that, that's that, that was a good, good chatter on Michael Thomas and the, the pup list. This is, that's what I was shooting for last night, Aaron, by the <laughs> way, that's, that's what I was actually shooting for last night. It was better but, today because he actually came off and he's actually practiced being on it is just what we he'd been doing for two years so it was pointless but, but the reports were that he was going to be coming off of it early and i digress well, the reports AJ, were Jimmy Garoppolo was a giant i just muted you that's what happens here aj wow, i need you to load up low. on your golden you didn't even whistle for the socials here tell the beautiful people know. at home where they can follow us at before we get into our nfc north training camp preview i'm gonna wait for the music to kick in before i start Maybe that was the deal. Maybe I sound great this time to tell, ladies and gentlemen, that Sac City Pod is where you need to be. And we appreciate that you rock with us every Wednesday through Friday morning right here at Sac City Pod on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, YouTube, and TikTok. Ladies, gentlemen, if you have not done it yet, go ahead and hit those likes, those follows, those shares, repost it, retweet it. Make sure everybody you know is seeing the Sac City Pod on all of your social media platforms on Wednesday and Thursday and Friday, 10 a.m. Eastern. Watch us on YouTube. Listen to us any platform, podcast, audio you want because we are there. Ladies and gentlemen, good morning. It's Sac City. Hashtag GMSC. And if you're on our social pages and you see these little posts that we're having or we're interacting, we're getting your fan votes, please participate. Please share. Let us know your thoughts, your opinions on these things. We have a, a great alternate helmet bracket going on right now on our Instagram and our Twitter page right now. You can go check it out and vote for who you think has the best alternate helmet in the league right now. Uh, we're about to, we're entering round two uh, this morning. So you guys are be able to vote on the, I believe it's the Bengals and the Panthers in our first uh first round two matchup two heavy hitters in the alternate helmet yeah. game so check out our socials at sac city pod like aj said instagram facebook twitter tiktok all that good stuff let's get into our nfc north training camp preview here and now right now i guess it's more like a training camp deep dive because things are underway especially in green AJ, where did you put this B-roll at? Where is this B-roll at? I don't even find it. Where was this? Oh, there it is. Not where it was supposed to be. Green Bay, <laughs> get on your bikes and ride. Packers training camp kicked off today with all eyes on Aaron Rodgers and the new look offense coached by newly crowned offensive coordinator, Adam Stenovich. Really, it's it's all eyes on Aaron Rodgers and it's all eyes on the wide receiver position. AJ, with this new group here, headlined by... Alan Lazard, Randall Cobb, Christian Watson, maybe it's 
it's not it doesn't jump out at you right away but maybe there is something special here what is the state of the wide receiver group in green bay well uh honestly and this you've probably heard this from somebody else too but this wide receiver group is gonna go as aaron Rodgers goes uh one thing that slightly concerns me, but I'm not worried. I'm not jumping for the hills is the news that Kristen Watson is basically probably going to be done for training camp at this point, because as you know, they spent a little bit of investment. They traded up for him and got him in the second round, spent a decent pick on him. Uh, and now, you know, he's got to be missing that part. And it's only concerning to me because this is, they need bodies. They need bodies and they need production. If you think about last year, Devonte Adams accounted for 169 targets the next person had less, 100 less targets. Like, that's an astounding number. And now you think about it, and we know they want Alan Lazard to be the guy. He had 40 receptions last year. The next guy didn't even get 30, who they're coming into the season with. So the production level is really low going into this year. You think about a Randall Cobb, who had 28 receptions last year. That's going to be Aaron Rodgers' most trusted guy probably coming into the season. Alan Lazard's there because he's talented and younger. And then Sammy Watkins, who none of us on this panel really believes is going to play a full season, and who knows what's going to happen at that point in time. So with Christian Watson being on the PUP list and coming along, I think they made a good decision. He's a rookie. They did invest in him, and he might as well go ahead and take care of that now. So maybe he gets healthy week three or something like that, and he can go on as the season progresses. And then if he's healthy late in the year and he's learned the system and his talent shines, now they have another another weapon to deploy late in the year. And I like that idea. You invested a lot into him. You know, don't, don't let a lingering injury hold him back throughout the season. Then you maybe miss him in the playoffs when you need it. But uh, the fact that he's not getting that trust right now with, with Aaron Rodgers does become a little concerning because that means it's going to have to take longer to grow. But I expect Aaron Rodgers wants to spread this ball around. I don't expect even wanting Alan Lazard to go on. I don't expect them to give him 150 targets, you know. I think you're going to see this ball move around a lot more. And with Christian Watson being on the PUP list, it's just one less body that they get a chance to do that with. I'm a little I'm a little concerned about Christian Watson. We were I, I remember the draft process. Aaron, you were the first person to really hype up Christian Watson. And then we all really got on board and we all really liked the tape. And we all liked what we saw from Watson. And we thought he would be a, a great fit, obviously, in Green Bay with Aaron Rodgers. But now with the knee injury, it's he had minor knee surgery. Uh, and he, he should his timetable is sooner rather than later. It's not that severe, but like you said, AJ, it's the trust thing with Aaron Rodgers. And today during or yesterday, during day one of, of training camp, they had two big time plays in camp. And I know it's, it's just training camp. We don't want to look too much into things, but they had two big plays. One, one was a jump ball to Alan Lazard, who Aaron Rodgers was almost like a, it was almost like a trust throw. The other was another jump ball to, Romeo Dubs, the rookie wide receiver at Nevada, who Aaron or AJ, you were very high on during the draft process. That's the kind of thing that sets back Christian Watson, that that now Aaron Rodgers is able to develop more trust with everyone else but him. And we know Aaron Rodgers likes his receivers that he trusts. So I think Christian Watson is falling behind isn't good. And I'm I'm worried. I'm worried for Christian Watson, you know, and, and hate me for saying it. But, like, the more I look at Christian Watson, and first let me say I I know he's a talented guy, and I think he's got a lot of potential and will be good in this league. Right now, him missing it, I feel like he comes in and he slots in that MVS role. 
a big, tall guy who's really fast, can be a deep threat, had issues dropping the ball in college. Uh, and again, we know that had a lot to do with them not passing as much as they could. But if that ends up being who he is and he can't ever gain that consistency, we would hope he put the work in. You're going to see guys like Alan Lazard and Romeo Dubs be the number one and number two and Christian Watson be opportunistic and get those deep balls that end up in touchdowns that we saw uh, Aaron Rodgers like to throw to MVS. And, and despite them spending what they spent on him, that may become a reality if he if if this becomes an injury type of guy. And we don't know that's the case. We're just going off of what we're seeing, what we're hearing right now. But that, that kind of, you know, that just kind of jumped out to me. Like that yeah. kind of seems like the role he fits to start off his uh, career in Green Bay. Aaron, I, I know you're you're about to touch into this, but before you go into you can do you can go all it all out here. Uh, you last night, uh, yesterday morning show, you talked about Kansas City and having a wide receiver by committee. You point <laughs> you you brought up the new phrase wide receiver by committee. Is that something similar that we could see here in Green Bay this year with a wide receiver by committee, or is it a little different with Aaron Rodgers, who likes to really trust in one wide receiver? It's honestly the exact same. There isn't one good enough to be a Devontae Adams at this point in time. We can't trust a Christian Watson because he's not on the field right now. We can't trust an Alan Lazard at this point because we haven't seen him live up to that. Now, can Alan Lazard take another step? I believe he can. But when I watch Alan Lazard play, I also don't see elite wide receiver. I see a very good player in the NFL. So could he, he will he lead the team in receptions? Yeah, sure. Will he lead the team in receiving yards? Possibly. Um, I I kind of, just the whole Christian Watson talk, and again, you know how much I hate the PUP list, and guys not being there early for camp. It does matter more for rookies. I, I will 100% admit that, not having the trust of Aaron Rodgers. Everything you guys said was accurate. I really didn't have anything to add there. The only thing I'll say is Devontae Adams, when he was drafted, also missed timing. He had a bad rookie season. Matter of fact, his first two or three years wasn't very good um, in, in the NFL. And he had to develop that trust with Aaron Rodgers. And Aaron Rodgers mm-hmm. really in his career that they had to get better in order for that trust to kind of build. And I think that happened over time. And I still think that can happen with Christian Watson because he's super talented. The Romeo Dubs point is excellent. He could be the first guy that really emerges as somebody that Aaron Rodgers trusts because he is really talented and he's going to get the opportunity because we all know Sammy Watkins is only good for two weeks. Really good week. But um, which again, by the way, Sammy Watkins is also not playing right now. Nope. So yeah, he's Sammy not. Watkins also not on the field. So it's, no. it's a great time for Romeo Dubs to get in there and get some work. But yeah, I, I don't to answer your question. It's, it's going to be a wide receiver by committee. Like, I don't see any of these guys going for like 13, 1400 yards and 10 touchdowns. Like what you would get out of a number one. I, I think, I think Alan Lazard, we talk about stats. I think Alan Lazard just like comes real close to a thousand. Like he'll get like a thousand ninety yeah. yards, like, like, or a thousand, a thousand, like Fair. 40 yards, something like that. Fair. But go ahead, Dylan. You, you look at the like Packers fans and stuff, right? And they, I, I think one season that this really, reminds me of when the Packers sort of had a similar situation going into uh, a preseason and also a training camp 2016. You remember Jordy Nelson tears his ACL. Uh, they lose James Jones. They have, they have Randall Cobb. They have a young guy named Devonte Adam in year three in the league. Everyone was waiting to see what they had out of him and not saying that 
uh, Mr. Alan Lazard is Devontae Adams in this situation, but people were raving about other guys like Jeff Janis. There was also Jared Aberderis. Everyone was like, all right, let's go get some stock on these guys. We're going to see which one's going to step up in the absence of Jordy Nelson. Let's start going for them. Oh, wait. Then there's also a young guy named Geronimo Allison who played a little bit for that team as well, and they, they started making plays and stuff. So, I mean, there's a lot of mystery boxes in that wide receiver room. I do like the Romeo Dubs. I think he's a solid wide receiver. But this is a similar situation Green Bay was faced in 2016 uh, heading into the season where they had their star wide receiver either hurt or left, and they had a bunch of bunch of uh, young guys trying to fill a, a void that has been left in, in that in that wide receiver one spot. And also, it is a good thing when your quarterback is Aaron Rodgers, and uh, he seems pretty confident in his wide receiver, Alan, Alan Lazard. I mean, it's always tough going from Hall of Famer to Hall of Famer. <laughs> uh, you know, from Devontae to, to Allen, it's going to be, uh, you know, a transition. But he's capable of a lot. <laughs> I thought it was great that he brought back. He did the he did Hall the Hall of Famer for Hall of Famer thing, and we did it yesterday, and I had to do it today. All right. that uh, Oh, we have one more, one more topic on the Green Bay Packers. Aaron. Uh, the, the offensive line for the Packers, normally anchored by David Bakhtiari, he will not be available for training camp. And they asked Packers GM uh, whether or not they can put a timetable on it. And he said straight up, we're not going to put a timetable on David Bakhtiari, who had another knee procedure this offseason. They have another offensive lineman, Elgin Jenkins, who also started it off started training camp off on the pup list. This is where you can actually say, Aaron, it doesn't matter that he started on the pup list. Look at this big man go during these drills here coming off of another, this is another offensive lineman who's coming off of an injury. He looks fine. This is where you can say, ah, it doesn't matter. He's a, he's a, just a pup list, whatever. Fuck the pup list. Oh. Jenkins is okay. Uh, <laughs> but for these offensive linemen to be missing time in training camp, what what does that mean for for this Packers team? Um, it doesn't really mean much to me, and I'll I'll tell you why. Uh, I, I will say the Bakhtiari thing is, is concerning, but uh, barring him being out for an extended period of time and missing time this season, if it's just like, hey, you're missing training camp, it's not a big deal to me because this offensive line is one of the most veteran offensive lines in the league. They've played together. You got Runyon up front, Josh Myers. Uh, we talked about an Elgin, Elgin, L. I don't even know how to say his name. Jenkins up front. I think that that cohesiveness is already there. It's, it's a team that's already kind of had this core group together. They would be fine. The reason you're concerned is Bakhtiari had three knee procedures for his ACL. He's only played 27 snaps since then last year. So you worry about his long-term effectiveness and if he's actually going to be able to be on the field. But if all things point to, hey, he's going to be on the field, they're going to have both of them ready to go for week one, I don't think you're worried if you're Aaron Rodgers. You trust those guys. Those are your bookend tackles. They've been there. Um, that offensive line has been good. I don't think you're worried too much. Um, if you do have a concern, it's really just about Bakhtiari and his long uh, concerns and effectiveness. Packers going to Packers. That's another team that is just confident that they're going to be back in the playoffs um we'll, we'll have more team preview we'll have more team previews as the coming weeks uh as the weeks progress one of those words heading up north to dylan's nfc championship minnesota vikings 
uh, I had to do it. I, I had 2021. To do it. Let's say hey, it's a new season here. Don't don't say it's this year. You are correct. That was 2021 where you did predict the Minnesota Vikings to be in the NFC title game. They did not this year. Their training camp kicks off with a new head coach, Kevin O'Connell taking over for Mike Zimmer uh, with a team with loads of talent, including Justin Jefferson, Adam Thielen, Dalvin cook. It's just stars on stars in Minnesota. Dylan, I'll start things off with you. What does the offense look like under Kevin O'Connell? Well, I, I, I really looked at this and I saw that they're going to go pass heavy, pass heavy wide receiver sets about four wide receiver. It's a battle for the fourth wide receiver spot in camp right now. They're going to go with a four wide receiver set and they like to spread it out. Think of it as not necessarily the Los Angeles Rams, but there's a lot of pre-snap motion and they're trying to use Justin Jefferson in that role that they use cup get him in motion a little bit, try to see the read. Because we all know Kirk Cousins' first read's good. Might be one of the best in football. When it gets to the second and third read, that guy is not the best. You can say that about any quarterback, but especially for Cousins because he's so cerebral and also stupid at so many different times uh, when he plays the game of football, whether he's taking knees or doing whatever the hell he does out there. But they're going to throw more on first and second down. Last year, third and eight was their average on third down. That was not good. Not good at all. I think there'll be more check downs for Dalvin Cook. Only had about 30-ish catches last year. And as far as the wide receiver, the tight end position goes, they didn't want to bring back Kyle Rudolph. They had the financial ability to do it. They wanted more athleticism at that position, sort of fit the Kevin O'Connell offense. Irv Smith may not play with his hand in the ground as often. He's never known to be a good blocker in any of that stuff. He goes out, he makes good catches, and that's sort of his role. C.J. Ham, the fullback, is probably not going to play much in this system because – for the first time in franchise history, you could argue, uh, the 21st century offense for the Minnesota Vikings. They're not going to be grounded pound with Gerhardt or, or, or Adrian Peterson. Dalvin Cook will still get his, but they're going to throw the ball a lot more, be more spread out. And you want to keep a close eye on someone in camp? Sleeper is Kene Nwangu. That, that, that kick returner last year, the fast lightning jet, they ran him up the middle last year. That's not his game. They'll get creative on this scheme. O'Connell's excitement's there, but also understands his fast motion offense comes with reps uh every time we get out there he's like i just want to practice right now because i'm so excited to be around you guys and the culture that's being built the locker room that's built um you know the systems that are being put in place and i think that's kind of a, a general theme when you ask coaches or players in this building that's kind of the general theme but now like he said yesterday in our team meeting we got to go put the work in and when it's time to go it's time to go when it's time to take care of you guys we're going to take care of you guys but when it's go time and we say hey it's all out let's go I expect it to be physical and tough and and um, and fast. I like this new look a lot in Minnesota, just from the early stages. Obviously, it's it's hard to tell what this team's actually going to look like, but I do, I I I really like a lot of these new coaches and these new teams. Like it just seems like there's a lot of good fits, and Kevin O'Connell uh, is one of those. Dylan, you brought up a sleeper candidate, and I'm I. I was kind of thinking we were going to continue on the hype train of KJ Osborne, maybe like that was going to yeah. be the guy that's like someone that that we were talking about as a hype sleeper. train. He sort of emerged last year. Like I said, four wide receivers sets. You already got the three. They're looking at the position battle for the four. You got Thielen, you got Jefferson, you got Osborne. The four really comes down to a bunch of different people when it looks at uh, the, the rookie that they got this year, Jalen Naylor. Uh, BC Johnson is probably the oddball in that scenario, but also Blake Pearl is on the pup list. Uh, Dan Chisena is another name. 
So there's about three guys they're looking at. And I want to mention one more point here with Kevin O'Connell coming over. I'm sure you guys saw the crazy tweet that happened about the game against the Lions where they kicked the game-winning field goal in the dialect between Mike Zimmer and and, uh, Kirk Cousins. Kirk Cousins, after the game, there's a gif of him throwing throwing back Mike Zimmer. They're They're pushing each other to the side. And right after, he didn't speak to him the whole week before that Lions game. He tells him right after he makes the game win and kick. You effing like that? I just saved your job, he told him. So there was dialect in that room. And uh, Kevin O'Connell's coming in with a new voice, and they're excited for him. That sounds so beautiful. All that was blah, 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 blah. <laughs> Listen, man, I'm coming. I, I can't. I can't. This is this has been on my nerves for a couple of weeks, and I've been kind of waiting for the NFL. The Minnesota Vikings, everybody in the camp is talking about how conservative the offense was, and it's just changed, and it's so different, and blah. No, it's not. Talk about they're going to throw the ball more. Well, guess what? They were a top team in throwing the ball last year. They were top 10 or 12 in, in pass attempts. They were uh, a good offense. They scored a lot of points. They put up, they had weapons, Justin Jefferson, Dalvin Cook. The offense has always been good. Problem in Minnesota is the defense. So you get Kevin O'Connell to do what? Come in and score a few more points? Come in and throw a few more passes and still lose the game? I I don't care what Kevin O'Connell does. I'm not saying he's bad, but the problem hasn't been the offense. Kirk Cousins puts up numbers every year. Dalvin Cook puts up numbers Every year, Justin Jefferson, Irv Smith being back, cool. Those okay. things are great. Where right. is the defense? Um, all right, all right, hold on, hold on here. Let me. Add, okay, we're gonna we're gonna really go off script here. We're gonna go off the dock here. And I, Mister Football, I'm going to get you on this. What positions in training camp are you looking out for on the defensive side of the ball that really needs to show signs of improvement? What players are you looking at to say, okay, this guy's got to step up here for this team who sucked on defense? How long you got? Every damn position on that defense was bad. That's lazy analysis. That's lazy analysis. Exactly, but it's easy analysis. (laughs) Listen, the addition of Zadarius Smith, great. The back end of their defense needed to improve. Old Harrison Smith, old-ass Patrick Peterson, they can't be your best players. You draft the Lewis scene, who is good, but he's a rookie. Cameron Dantzler and and Chandon Sullivan, I don't even know who those guys are. Did they play football? Yeah, did they play football? Good listen, nickelback. This listen, this defense needs the help, band. especially the back end. If they get what they expect from a from a Lewis scene, great. Maybe an Andrew Booth this first year can come in if he's healthy and step up year one. But the defense is the question. It's not about it's not about the offense. Minnesota is going to score points. Guess what? Minnesota else is going to they're going to be in games against good teams, and they're going to find ways to lose games that they should win because the defense has not been very good. That's the, that's why Zimmer is not there because Zimmer is a defensive guy whose defense wasn't good anymore. The offense has been the offense. So the, the best, the hey, best defense you, is a good offense, I guess. When yeah. you lose five games by a combined 18 points, it, offense might be a thing that can help that's, you win some more games. This though. is the NFL, man. Like 80% of games are decided by seven points or less. That that's statement. Let, let me oh, ask you this yeah. question. Wait, wait, wait. Let oh, me ask you this but, question. Wait, wait, let me ask you this question. How good is that Chargers offense? How the many Chargers games do they now is pretty decent? And how many games do they lose that are close yeah, games? Yeah, but that I mean, but you can attest that to so much more. Like you can, They're I mean, you, you can look you okay. Well, no, well, firstly, first off, we can all attest that Mike Zimmer was not the guy. We understand that. Brandon Staley's still learning and making mistakes. 
based on his hubris. But when you think about an offense that's coming in and, and Kevin O'Connell and what they're about to do, some of those field goals and those field goal games could easily have been turned into touchdowns. And like if you're that, scoring those, talk at about the lazy end of analysis. The game. I thought I thought that's talk close. about lady lazy analysis. Well, the field goals could have been the touchdowns, maybe. So now they go from being a top scoring team. The, the personnel hasn't changed. They are have always been a good offense. The same guy that you're arguing about offense, Mike Zimmer, with a great defense and an average offense with whoever the backup quarterback was was in an NFC Championship. Don't. Every all this push about offensive guys, offensive guys, offensive guys. Well, guess what happens when offensive guys come in? Defenses adjust. Defenses adjust. The Dallas Cowboys, great offense. Oh my God. Why was Dallas good last year? Wasn't their offense, it was their defense. The defense still matters. You cannot downtown I'm, Brown. And I'm not saying that McConnell or Kevin O'Connell doesn't have an impact. What I'm saying right. is that impact does not overshadow how bad that defense is. And what's going to happen is they're going to look a lot like the Chargers did. They're going to have a really great offense, but their defense, the more possessions their offense scores quickly, guess what? Defense is back on the field. They give up more. Like, it's just that, to me, they focused on getting a good a good offensive quarter or a good guy that ran an offense, which is great. But they have to put focus into that defense. And they have. They've tried to, at least, I should say. We'll see if that picks up. If that defense steps up, then Minnesota, it will be a team to reckon with because added the addition of a, an O'Connell with those offensive weapons. But I'm looking at that roster on defense, and I'm like, who's going to stop anybody? Who's going to stop Aaron Rodgers on that in that second? Well, no one was going to – no one was going to stop Aaron Rodgers on that team. Yeah, right. <laughs> hey, hey, hey. So they're fighting for a wild feels. card. They're fighting for a wild card again. And then the playoffs, if they happen to make a wild card, they get beat by one of the better offenses. That's my problem. Because their offense right. still has got to stack up against Tampa, Green Bay, uh, whoever comes out of the East, the, the Rams. Like, they, they all have great offenses. The difference is they also have good defense. I think I think Minnesota, to end, to end this, I think Minnesota did – did a lot of right things this offseason to move forward to try and compete with the rest of the NFC, um, including drafting guys like Lewis Seen and Andrew Booth. Let's move on to the Chicago. <sighs> Let's move on to the Chicago Bears. Their training camp has kicked <laughs> off with a lot of young Young talent on their team, led by Justin Fields, Velas Jones, Darnell Mooney. <laughs> hey, I will say, I will say, they did have big names show up to camp that we didn't originally think that would. Guys like Robert Quinn ended up showing up. It's good news for the Chicago Bears. I have one, one good bullet point on the Bears training camp, and if we can think of others. By all means, shoot for the stars. But really, this is about Justin Fields. Like, that is the biggest thing with the Bears as a team that didn't do a whole lot in the offseason to really get better. Some may say they did a whole lot to get worse. But Justin Fields, their franchise quarterback, is still there. He's very young, very promising. Aaron, what do you look for from Justin Fields in year two of training camp? Um, I don't think it's about Justin Fields about the new offensive coordinator, about Luke Getze coming in and doing the things that fit Justin Fields, the scheme for Justin Fields, right? Um, they've talked about him coming in and running the Shanahan-style offense, zone blocking, allowing him to get out in space, do things like that. I think that's the smart move. You have to allow 
a guy like Justin Fields to be Justin Fields. I don't care if you got to treat him like Lamar Jackson. Tell him to run the football and then take the easy throws when they're there. If they do that, they're going to be successful. We saw it towards the end of last year. And I'm not saying that he was dominating by any stretch of the imagination, but he started to have games that looked a little bit better. He was starting to get more comfortable in reads, getting more comfortable being out in space when they finally said, you know what, we're going to let this guy play. And I think that's important for them. So it's really just about doing the things that Justin Fields is comfortable with. In college, they ran a pro-style offense, but they weren't shying away from moving him and getting him out in space and things like that. And that's what's important to him. At the end of last year, minus the three games that obviously he missed, uh, he, he started to throw for 200-plus yards three of his last four games that he played. He was throwing for more touchdowns, four touchdowns and just three picks the last four games that he played. I think that Justin Fields will take the next step. He's seen defenses. And let's be honest, he gets to play Minnesota twice a year, Detroit twice a year, who might be better, but he does have some easier games that he can get comfortable with and make an impact on that offense. This is all about how they use Justin Fields. I don't think the talent has ever been a question. Um, I, I said I thought he would be a bust coming out because of Ohio State, and just the, because it's about situation. <laughs> what? I did. You pissed, you pissed I did. on Ohio State all day today. I, it's all just day, the translation to NFL talent at certain positions doesn't usually work. It doesn't always work. So I said that, but it was more about how he's going to be used than it is about his actual talent. So if they use him right, has the talent to be great. But we saw last year they didn't use him right, and it looked like he's lost. I agree. I agree. It's not about the talent. Uh, and, you know, we, we won't say this is a small thing, but some people may not look at it the same way. But I think this is a perfect year for one of the biggest steps for Justin Fields is going to be the intangibles with a whole new offensive scheme, a whole new basically receiving core. Can you be that young leader? You know, you got these guys who are coming in. Can you lead by example? Can you get these guys to buy in and do the things that are necessary to look like an NFL team? Like, all respect given, we're not thinking that the Chicago Bears are going to leap forward and be in contention for anything. We were shocked when Mitchell Trubisky did it his last year, to be honest. So if he can get these guys in the right step, and now this system's being put together, now next year when they go and actually get him some other weapons, they actually – you know, hopefully won't have too much work to do on that defensive side of the ball that next year. Then you can start talking about what Justin Fields brings to the game as a passer of the football, as a guy with the instincts who can take off and run with the football as a talent. So I think this year you focus on those things. What did you learn last year from playing the game? But you also focus on being the leader and being the guy that takes hold of this uh, of this team going forward. What measurable is like? I hear what you're saying, and we know we talk about that with quarterbacks. I'll be honest. I could care less what his – I couldn't care less what his leadership is. I want to see steps as an really? NFL passer. That's fine. He's a year two. Like, I don't want my young quarterback worrying about – I have to be a leader of a team, like, carrying him on my – because that's the situation that he's in because they're so bad from a roster standpoint. This Oof, is what happens. So we put these young quarterbacks on rosters that have – that are so bad that we ask them to be a leader all over again. Yeah. Be a leader, <laughs> but not only be a leader, but also learn the game and focus on the X's and O's of learning the NFL game. I want him to learn that because the leadership that he had on Ohio state ain't going anywhere. I don't need him to lead Vilas Jones. He Vilas Jones, I think is older than him. I'm looking for Robert Quinn on defense to be a leader. I'm looking that, for some of those. 
other veterans to be a leader. I don't want Justin Fields right now focusing on, I got to lead this team. I want him to say, I need to study. I need to learn the playbook. I need to know where to go with the football, when to go with it. Let my coaches coach and be leaders while I learn how to play football at this level. And then I can grow into that. leader. Similar to Josh Allen. But that's why it's called an intangible. It's not that he has to stop everything else to do this. It's that you want to be seeing these things coming out of him from week to week. You want to see that it's there. You want to know that you're not going to have to always take him aside once you know the talent's good. I'm not saying, hey, we know you can run the ball. Hey, can you go have a conversation with this guy? But I do want to see when things aren't going right that he's the first one to say something. He's the first one to speak up. And it not every single time, but we need to know it's there. This is this is a this we we talked constantly last season about this organization being in flux. This is a new start. Yes, the head coach, the offensive coordinator, they have the biggest chunk of that to take care of. Absolutely. But if there was ever a time for you as a leader, as a QB one, to be able to have your say in it, it's now. It's not gonna be three years down the road. You have to do it now. You have to start now at the very least. I just don't know that he has the clout. I don't know that there's respect there. I don't know that there it's, – it's, to me, it's very similar to the Josh Allen situation. Josh Allen was a very quiet individual in Buffalo for the first two to three years. He took the big step, and then you saw a different Josh Allen. Like, he was comfortable in his own skin. He knew how to play the position. And then he translated that into his leadership. And for me, I – quarterback is so hard in the NFL that I want Justin Fields to know how to play the position. And to your point, yes, he's the quarterback. He's going to safety. He's going to pick guys up. I get that. I just don't want that to be the sole focus of him. Focus. I want him right. to focus on the edge. I agree with that. And, I, and I, do. I do agree. He's going to be a leader by nature because he's the quarterback. I, I, don't trust, I don't trust his coaches. I don't trust his roster. If he has to do this, it has to be strictly him. I don't trust Luke Getze. I don't trust the defensive-minded head coach of Matt Eberflus. I don't trust his coaching staff here. Uh, I, Luke Getzies comes from good, from from good coaching tree. Like it's not he's been in Green Bay. He's got to work with Aaron Rodgers. Um, that's an offense under Lafleur who's had success. Um, I like I like the hire there. Uh, Eberflus to me is all about the defense, continuing to build that Bears defense and what and what it is. I, I just don't like putting everything on a young quarterback like that. When you do that, if you're not named Peyton Manning. And you where you know what I mean? Like how many rookies go through what Peyton Manning do did right. and bounce back and come through and, and actually overcome that? Hopefully. Everyone's We're hoping. We're hoping. You guys brought up the, the leadership thing, and I think it is good that Robert Quinn and Roquan Smith ended up showing up to training camp on Tuesday for them. That's a big deal for this Bears team because even though no matter where we think this team is going to end up at the end of the season you need your leaders to be there and show up at day one no matter what like it sucks they're going through these contracts the, the the contract negotiations and it's not going their their way right now but they're showing up for the team to help lead this young group into a new direction hopefully on the rise that's the Chicago Bears we go from one young team to another than the Detroit Lions to finish our NFC North. And uh, Dylan, I'm going to go to you here, buddy. This is this is what's really on my mind. What are you looking forward to most out of the Detroit Lions on hard knocks, baby? I'll give you three things, three bullet point things on what you should look for. Number one, Dan Campbell. Dan Campbell, baby, this guy's going to be all up in their faces, screaming, seeing the hard work. Look at that. He's doing the up-downs with him. Guy's a fiery mother effer. He's all over the place, right? 
This guy, remember back on the Miami Dolphins hard knocks with Joe Philbin as their head coach? He was the tight ends coach there. He screamed at Michael Ignew and said, he said, I want to see how you respond. He wants to get in the faces of these young guys. He doesn't care. He doesn't care if you're wearing a practice jersey, if you're there for two weeks collecting your little check, staying in the hotel or the, or the, or the camp, wherever you're at. You're showing up. You're a young kid. Get the F off my field. I'm ready for it, man. He's going to be fired up. He's going to bring that dog-eat-dog mentality, and he's going to have it. <laughs> Point kneecaps. number two. Point number two. Aiden freaking Hutchinson, baby. Should he have been the number one pick? Camera mites all up in his face, baby. Michigan to Detroit. Talk about a storyline there all over the place. Number three. Final point here. Maybe it's a little oddball. You see all these random guys from, from training camp to training camp, hard knocks. There's always gravitate towards some little story. Someone either has a good story or they're very entertaining. One guy that was very entertaining a few years ago was Juju Hughes. Toothpick. He always had the toothpick in. He was on the defense with the Rams. Juju Hughes is now a Detroit Lion. He will be in the first episode. Book it. Here come the Lions. Here comes Dan Campbell. I'm fired up just thinking about it. I feel like I just did a segment with Dick Vitale, bro. <laughs> hey, 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 what I'm talking hey. about, baby. Juju <laughs> Hughes will be in the first episode, which will be his last episode. <laughs> <laughs> you can't get rid of Juju Hughes. He's a he'll, diaper dandy. <laughs> he'll probably get cut. He'll probably get cut. Uh, Hard Knocks oh, is going to be great with Dan Campbell. His, those, those points were honestly right on the money. Um, the, the Detroit Lions are going to be a fun and entertaining team, even if it doesn't equate to wins. And I'm excited to watch them a hard knocks. I think Dan Campbell's one of the best motivators in the game and uh, very underrated as a leader. And maybe the X's and O's of Dan Campbell's game is not quite there. We've seen wasted timeouts and, you know, some questionable calls as a head coach, but there is no debating that when you look at that team, they play for to me, sign of a good leader is, is that. And I'll take that any day, any day over X's and O's. I can find somebody smarter than finding somebody that can lead better. I don't know. I've never seen Bill Belichick do up downs like Dan Campbell was doing in that video. Okay. I've never seen Andy Reid do any up downs with their damn team. Okay. But but see, this is the shift. I will tell you the the shift in understanding your players and actually Andy Reid has done some very uncharacteristic like things to change with the times, which is why he's been so successful. And I'm not here to knock Bill Belichick again, but there is a reason why players do not relate to Bill Belichick all the time. He is not willing to change. He is not willing to adapt to the younger generation, the younger demographic, the younger mindset of being sensitive to certain things and understanding how to get those players to play for you. It's why he has trouble bringing in agents and people leave when their contracts are up. So despite all the great things, those coaches have done one of those coaches is still successful every single year without the greatest quarterback of all time which was Andy Reid who had Alex Smith and guys like that Bill Belichick since losing the greatest quarterback of all time we start to question who was and again great coach but sometimes your time is up Bill Parcells said it best he's like I can't coach in this league anymore I don't relate to these players there you have it. Dan Campbell's a better coach than Bill Belichick. Book it right there. <laughs> oh, my I'm God. Here kidding. we go. I'm kidding. This, that's how I wanted to end the show. That's how I wanted to end this Lions talk. This was a fantastic NFC North training camp deep dive. We have so much more content coming your way. Uh, tomorrow, we will be diving into the AFC, uh, AFC South. South. 
The AFC South Ooh, is tomorrow morning. We're going to dive into the Jaguars, Titans, Colts, and Texans. Uh, at five. <laughs> hey, it's the greatest time of the year for the AFC South because it's the last time they can actually talk and be relevant. Hey, this Once is the, the season starts, it's this over. Is, this is here. It it, it, it gets where we're – and then once the season starts, it's – that's it. Talk about the Titans. Yeah, oh boy, it's going to be a great show. You're not going to want to miss it live at 10 a.m. Eastern time right here on YouTube at the Sac City Podcast. For your boy, AJ Johnson, for my best friend, Aaron Mukes, and for the smoothest voice in sports casting, I am me. We will see you tomorrow. Don't press that next button. That was a great show, right? You know it, I know it. So let's help somebody else know it. Before you listen to our next episode, go ahead and write us a review and let everyone know how great it is to be a part of the city. Sac City, home of six-star content.